0: Welcome to Red Couch Manx. I'm Vivek Jacob, joined by Carl Mascarenus, And today we are breaking down Manchester United's 1 0 win over Wolves. Marcus Rashford in the 93rd minute, rescuing three points, a much needed three points that now puts United in second place, two points behind leaders Liverpool. Carl, how are you feeling about that?
1: I am absolutely buzzing after that result. I was hoping, I was praying, really trying to will the ball into the back of the net. It didn't look like it was going to happen for a majority of that game. And then really out of nowhere, with probably Bruno's 10th pass over the back line, Rashford makes something out of nothing, which uh, you didn't think was going to happen. All in all, I'm really happy. Uh, I don't know if we deserve the three points there. I think a fair result was a point apiece for both teams, having seen the way the game played out. But nonetheless, you know, I know both of us aren't getting carried away with the title talk. But if you do want to compete for a title, you have to win games like this. You have to get to three points. You can't settle for a point. And, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, what did you make of the game and the way it played out in the second half where you were kind of expecting a
0: reaction, but nothing came? Well, you mentioned that the winner came out of thin air. When you look at that second half with how heavy everyone's legs seem to be, more so the Wolves, especially towards the end of that match, it signifies exactly what happens every time this fixture is played. Every time this December 28th, 29th fixture is played, you see heavy legs, you see injuries, you see players not willing to go in for those 50-50 balls as hard, not chase down those balls to the byline as hard. They're just struggling. They're struggling physically. And I don't understand England's fascination, infatuation, whatever you want to call it, with this December 28th, 29th fixture. I can understand the tradition behind playing on Boxing Day. I can understand the tradition behind playing on New Year's Day. What the hell is the significance of December 28th? What the hell is the significance of December 29th? There is none. So... When I look at a match like this, the way it plays out in the second half, I look at all the other fixtures, Leeds United's 5-0 win over WBA is an aberration. Every year you look at this fixture and the results are like this, the quality of play is like this. Every time the EPL just dilutes their football for this fixture just to get it in, to maximize their holiday revenue, guess what? You're not having fans in the stands or barely any, so there's really not that much revenue to make anyway, so... I don't understand this one at all. I never will. You have Italy on vacation. You have Germany on vacation. What it's going to take for England to get on board, I have no idea.
1: Yeah, you make some excellent points, Vivek, because you would think that if there was ever a time to kind of make up time in a schedule, it would have been now. And so you would have expected those leagues to kind of have fixtures going on right now. But if they feel in spite of a condensed year, that it's not right to play so many games in such a short space of time, it should send a pretty loud and clear message to everybody that, hey, you know what, like some things are more important than money, right? And I don't know if the English Premier League will ever bow down to those. I think a happy medium would have just been to play on Boxing Day and play on on New Year's Day, right? You don't need this middle fixture that you're talking about. And then the quality of, of football will also increase, Because you make some great points. I was just looking through the fixtures and, you know, yesterday there were a couple of 1-1 draws. And today, except for the Leeds game, no team scored more than one goal in their game. So you are looking at extremely low uh, goals scored. Uh, And you know what, if English Premier League is all about entertainment, you definitely weren't getting it with these two uh, game days. So what's the point at the end of the day? So some fantastic points that you make there regarding... The fixture pile up and I mean like what good does it do except for a
0: couple of people that are lining their pockets? I mean Everton and Manchester City you hope the COVID situation is okay but they're probably pretty happy with the fixture getting postponed. Yeah they definitely
1: got some some extra time to to get ready for the next game. It'll be interesting to see though uh, what happens. I don't think Everton were very happy by the way with that uh, last minute postponement because them playing a depleted City lineup with them being second to the table at the time was uh, a very in- inviting prospect indeed. And Everton have actually asked the Premier League to give some transparency into how that decision was made. So stay tuned to see what what that explanation is because I'm sure it's going to be a good one.
0: Mm-hmm. There are a few players who could have made excuses for being tired, for being a step slow, for just not quite being at the races today. But one player who refused to do that and I thought was absolutely magnificent with his performance was Eric Bailly he's starting his third match in six days we know all about how much time he has missed since signing with United this to me is without a doubt his best stretch in a United uniform there was that play just before the first half ended where I believe it was Neto who got the ball on the right side and was racing down the pitch and Bailly sprinted to cut off that threat. And as soon as Neto saw that, he's looking for Traore bursting through the middle. And Bailly reads that as well and shifts over at the perfect time to intercept the pass. And then even late, when United is trying to build attack after attack, there was a ball that was cleared and Bailly goes down and is sprinting to chase it. All those little things show me that he's, one, feeling really good about his physical condition. And two, he's really confident in his game right now.
1: Vivek, I completely agree with you. It's rare for Bai to play three games in a row in the first place with his injury record or his disciplinary record or his form in general. So for him to play three games in six days is is monumental in itself. But then you look at the performances of the play that you were talking about. And for some of those listeners who who want to picture what Vivek's talking about, stay tuned on our Instagram story. You'll be able to see that where, you know, Neto coming on the right. All I have to say is that I was gobsmacked when I looked at that replay because we all know how quick Aaron won Bisaka is. And watching Adama Traore run and making up the ground on the far left hand side was something that I'm used to seeing Usain Bolt do. That's the only person I've seen do that. And <laughs> I mean, it's no, it's no surprise that Adama Troere was clocked as the fastest player in the Premier League in 2020. That was something that was just done recently on Sky Sports where uh, they had a, a list between Gary Neville and Car- Jamie Carragher. But to your point, I think the composure shown there from Eric Bailly, I could easily see a previous version of Bailly sliding, making it look, you know, fantastic for the pictures. But in the process, not only does it increase the degree of difficulty of the play, but the danger associated with the play is also increased by a fair amount. And so that's when you know he can miss time slides, which quite frankly could have resulted in a red card if he had. This time he stayed on his feet and just intercepted it, made it look extremely simple. A lot of people might not take notice of that, but he's learned that, hey you know what, if, if if I keep doing those things, I'm gonna be playing more often. right? And I think that's finally getting through because he is quite the talent. You know, all that talk about United needing another centre-back, I'll say it again. If Bai plays the way he's playing, we now have the depth in our squad where maybe the the defenders that we've been looking at are not as needed as they once were at the beginning of the season.
0: Yeah, that's a big call. You always feel like with both Twanzebe and Bai, they're one match away from being on the shelf again. So that's the big risk that you're taking. But I agree with you from a quality of play standpoint. If bayi can maintain this, if he's turned a corner genuinely and has figured out what he needs to do to be successful at the Premier League level, there's definitely something to be gained here. I will say that, you know, as, as always
1: on our podcast, we don't like to jump to conclusions too quickly. So just like with Ole, where we're giving him till the end of the season to see what he does. I think similarly for bayi let's see what he does until the end of the season, because Who knows, next game, after playing so many games in a
0: row, it's very easy to pick up an injury and then you're back on the shelf, like you said, right? So to that point, as much as I love his performance, I would not want to put the pressure on his body of playing on Jan first against Aston Villa. We'll get to that when we preview the lineups, but I would hate to have him start a fixture like that and see him get hurt. That would be a disaster, especially with the way he's playing. Going back to this match, Starting lineup, United made six changes. Any big surprises? When we previewed the match before in the last podcast, we agreed on Pogba being there. Maybe a bit of a surprise to see him partner Matic. At the same time, you now have Fred and Scott available for Aston Villa. Alex Tellez comes in for Luke Shaw. And the reason I like that is usually if you're trying to maximize Tellez, you want to start Cavani. I think those two have great potential together, but it didn't necessarily play out in this match. What were your thoughts?
1: Yeah, Vivek, you know, just reflecting on one, on our predictions for the game today, I think we did pretty well for ourselves. Out of the six changes, we got four of them right. The only ones mm-hmm. that we didn't predict, we thought Luke Shaw would start today. He has started because he played one half, but... Um... <laughs> And then the, the other change that we, we didn't see coming was Matic coming in. We thought that, you know, Scott or Fred would have played. But having said that, I thought Matic, uh, which, which would have been my biggest surprise, by the way, to answer your question. But Matic really, really put in a performance today. I thought he was excellent. I was afraid that Wolves' pace with Traore and Neto would have been too much for Matic and he would have been overrun. But boy, was I wrong. The way Matic covered space and filled in when Teles went up the pitch was fantastic. And not just filling in, but he he was playing against a big boy in Adama Traore who has lightning feet. Between him and Harry Maguire, they were able to contain him and not let him get a head start. And he did all of this and he didn't pick up a booking, which is, which is very, very impressive, I must say.
0: It was actually a beautiful matchup to watch because you look at Matic using his size, his strength, his footballing IQ to be in the right positions. Because he's looking at Adama Traore and saying, okay, this is a guy who has strength. This is a guy who has tremendous pace. While I might not be able to keep up with him on the run, I can certainly anticipate where I need to be to minimize the damage. And that's what he consistently did. And the number of times on ball, he used his own strength to hold off. Treore. I was really impressed. There were several plays as well. He showed so much composure. Bring the ball out of the back. That helped United not only maintain possession. But build up their attacks. Obviously what happened in the final third is a different question. Against a very well organized Wolves team. But yeah, I thought he was outstanding. No question. I mentioned that Tellez and Cavani seem to have an understanding for each other. Watching this match. It was pretty evident to me that Marcus Rashford and Alex Telles have a long way to go in terms of building their chemistry. The number of times Rashford received the ball and Tellez overlapped, expecting the ball on the run. And this is something we've complimented, right? His ability to deliver those crosses on the run at breakneck speed and deliver great crosses. We really didn't get to see that because over and over, Rashford would dwell on the ball, wait for him to be completely shut out, shut down, and then be like, okay, I have no other option but to pass it to Telles now. And by then it was far too late.
1: This example that you're providing, Vivek, it reminds me of a very young Ronaldo playing for United on the left wing and doing exactly the same thing where he knows how many tricks he has in his bag. But what he was doing was... He was slowing down the tempo for the rest of the team. And so you had the likes of Ryan Giggs making these runs, Paul Scholes, Roy Keane, but they were being put off in when to make the run because Ronaldo was holding the ball too long. And I see the same thing happening with Rashford. Now, by no means am I making a comparison between Ronaldo and Rashford. I'm just talking about this point in time with their youth. And so I think this is something that Ole is going to be... I'm sure he's drilling uh, Rashford right now about this because... Ole was on the pitch when Ronaldo played as well, right? So he had a a taste of making the run and not getting found at the right time. And we all know how fantastic Cavani's timing is when it comes to the runs. And that's being put off at the moment. I'm sure Cavani will also have a little word in Rashford's ear about that because you could see some of the runs that Cavani was making, man. And just a, a delight to watch. Every single time there was a shot that was taken, I think there was one by Pogba where he took a really nice shot on the edge of the box. If you watch the replay on that, the only person running was Cavani because he was anticipating the keeper not to catch it. And if the yeah. keeper in fact dropped it, Cavani was going to put them in the back of the net. Just looking at that, that is so rare these days. And I hope that the young guys pick up on that. I, I know we sound like a, a broken record every week talking about, you know, what can we learn? What can we learn from
0: Cavani? Maybe hopefully one day they'll listen to this podcast and they'll, they'll, they'll find out. I think one thing Solskjaer could do in terms of just a bit of man management and trying to find that next level in Rashford's game, tell him, hey, you are playing on that left side, which in the Premier League over the last few years has become a really pivotal position. Think about the players who have been winning trophies on that left side. Raheem Sterling, Sadio Mane, Eden Hazard when he was at Chelsea. How do we get you to that level? If he can learn from them and learn the way those teams are able to maintain their momentum, I think that could be a huge step for him. It's a lot to ask to get to that level, but just little things like that, where you brought up Ronaldo, and now instead of dwelling on the ball, He's making that pass the first time he sees it, and then he is busting a gut into the box and providing another option in the box and then getting a goal for himself. So providing that incentive, I think could work wonders for Rashford. And on the flip side, I was actually quite happy with Mason Greenwood's performance. And I've said on this podcast over and over, I feel this season that Greenwood has forced the issue just a bit too much with his shot where it's step over, step over, and then the shot always comes, even if there's two on him, even if the defender has completely matched him stride for stride, and you know there's a block coming. And I thought he was really composed in this match until he got substituted, where he never forced the issue, kept the possession going, and the cross that he had to Bruno that could have been a goal in the 34th minute, to be exact, That, I think, is a product of him just saying, hey, what can I do to best help the team as opposed to how do I get on the score sheet?
1: Yeah, so a couple of things, Vivek. I think the only thing I'll say in Rashford's defense is that him kind of being slowing down the tempo, he's already had vast improvement in that area compared to seasons before. I think he did that much more frequently, but you can see that ever since Ole has come in, it's not He doesn't do that as frequently, and, and maybe today the reason why he did it more than usual was because he had heavy legs, having played quite a few games in in the space of the last two weeks, uh, but still some learning to go for sure. When it comes to Mason Greenwood, I thought he had a much better game than he has had in the recent past. That cross to Bruno on the far post was fantastic. You could still see a little bit of, uh, I think he had a chance early in the second half where He kind of fainted and then went one way, but he held onto the ball a little too long before he took the shot. Uh, That's where, you know what, learning a little bit more from the likes of somebody who plays, he plays a lot like, which is Van Persie, where he just gets that and boom, right away he's taking that shot, right? So uh, definitely looking for some, some more of that from Mason. I thought he had an okay game, but compared to his previous games, it was a good game. That's what I'll say about that. Now, we talked about Mason, we talked about Rashford. What were your thoughts on the way uh,
0: Marcial played once he came on in the 60 or 61st minute? I thought he injected some life into the game because every time he got the ball, he was looking to run at the defenders, and that was a positive sign. There were a couple of times where, you know, you mentioned Cavani running onto the goalkeeper just in case there's a bubble. He's always sniffing a goal, right? And I thought there were a couple of times where marshall just sees the initial crosses and going to him and so he's just waiting to see even with a few passes in that final third where he wanted it he didn't get it and then when it comes to him a bit later he's now flat-footed and under pressure so it was a step forward again relative to the more recent performances that he's had and he obviously skied that great chance he had on the edge of the box But hopefully, assuming he gets the start in the next match because of the fact that Cavani has started this one, he has some positives with the way, with the intent that he at least showed on those runs when he had the ball. Who is the number one striker at the club? If you were to take a guess today, who would that be?
1: I mean, it's no guesswork. It's obvious. (laughs) It's Edinson Cavani. Gotcha. So you think that Cavani, all things being equal, everybody fit, we're not playing every three days. Cavani gets to start over Martial every day.
0: Yeah. I For me, I think United have been pretty patient with Anthony Martial. You are in a situation now where you have to push him into that fight or flight scenario. We've given you the starting job. You did really well at the end of last season. We gave you the starting job for this season. And you completely bottled it. If you want it back, you go ahead and earn it. Are you going to fight for it? Or are you just going to say woe is me, this should be handed to me. I think we are at that point now with Anthony Marshall. So if he can't beat Cavani for the job, then there's some decisions for United to make. Frankly, at this point, you might even get closer to saying we're better off mentoring Greenwood for that striker's role and just fitting in Marshall where we can. Do you think
1: that uh, Martial has been given enough of a chance to cement his place in the team?
0: No question. Because, again, you look at the opportunities Cavani's been given. They've been very limited, right? Yep. If Cavani wasn't scoring goals, it would actually be very easy to say he hasn't had much opportunity. It's a good point. He's come off the bench a ton, but every time he delivers, it isn't like Cavani's the one who's been given all the opportunities and therefore he has scored. He has had limited chances to shine. And he's taken advantage of it and got to this point where at least I view him as the best striking option. And guess what? The longer you stay in the title race, you're just going to pick the guys who are in form. You're just going to pick the best players available to you.
1: Yeah, no, that's excellent points because, you know, having had some discussions, there's definitely, we have different types of fans and some fans are all about youth over everything else. And There's also some that have a healthy balance, right? And so I think, like we mentioned at the beginning, just a healthy competition for places is so important for a team. And you're starting to see improvement in performances across the board, all the way from defense, all the way to attack, right? And so Cavani, like you said, has had very limited opportunities. And you know what? I'm really hoping um, Martial gets his act together because... It won't be long before the FA passes down their their judgment on Cavani's Instagram post. And I think me and you won't be surprised if it's a three-game ban. So mm-hmm. uh, let's let's see what happens. We, we really... I, I do think that Martial is a game away from just putting it together. Based off what I saw today, I thought he, he had a very good 30 minutes. He made some excellent runs. He held the ball up. All that was missing was that final finish, but... You know what? Some people can say that. You know what? That's been missing for a while. So how long, how much longer do you want to wait, Carl?
0: So, uh. so if you don't mind, before we go to the Aston Villa match, there's one final thing I want to touch on, and that is Aaron Wan Bissaka's oh complete unwillingness to cross the ball. You look at Alex Tellez, he would literally cross the ball from the halfway line. <laughs> like that's how much he loves crossing the ball. Aaron Wan Bissaka. The number of times he received that ball in the final third and just wanted to cut it back or rebuild the play when all he has to do is send it in was shocking. I was watching that match, and I literally want Solskjaer to go into that locker room and say, Aaron, every single time that you get the ball in the final third and don't deliver a cross... You are doing suicides. You are doing X number of push-ups to start the next practice.
1: <laughs> you know what? I, I'm, I'm so glad you brought this up before we went for the preview because the frustration that I had on my end every single time the ball went to Aaron Wan-Bissaka and there was no cross coming, especially given that we made some excellent switches in play from the left to the right and Wolves were extremely set up for our left-sided attacks and to catch them out of position, to catch the three center backs out of position, we needed something that came in quick from the right before they had a chance to set up. Especially with Cavani making those near post runs. And they were not coming at all. And Wolves caught on to that. And so they knew how to mark us accordingly. Because they knew there was no attack coming from the right-hand side. Every single time one Basaka got the ball, he gave it to Rashford. Or he gave it to Pogba. And we just had to like recycle it over and over again. And it is extremely frustrating. Uh, you know what? I, I remember back in the day when Antonio Valencia had his one move where he would drop his shoulder and then go to the byline and <laughs> cut it back. And I know I would get so frustrated saying like, hey, this is so predictable. I would give anything to have that type of cross coming
0: in from the right-hand side right now, just because <laughs> it's, something is better than nothing. <laughs> totally with you there. Does that leave uh, Aaron Juan Bissaka with the Beckham boot then? No doubt. I think, you know what? The irony yeah. that Beckham is in this
1: <laughs> as we're talking about crossing. I know that is that is the epitome of the uh, of that for sure. I think you know what? the uh, Beckham boot for sure goes to one Basaka. I'm tempted honestly to give the Cantona caller to Vivek's rant right now. That was that was just <laughs> excellent.
0: <laughs> well, thank you, Carl. I'm sure we have quite a few fans that have given you Cantona collars for your rents. So that's nice to hear. But serious, on a serious note, Cantona collar, I think for me, Eric Bailly is fully deserved. We have to mention Harry Maguire, who was excellent alongside him as well. I just think for the way Eric Bailly has stepped up when the club has needed him, obviously Lindelof is dealing with some back issues, health issues. And he has stepped up when the club really needs it. So he would be my candidate. But I'm here for your objections.
1: Yeah, for me, like I had Harry Maguire picked out for the Cantona caller. So I think the way he handled Adam- Adama Traore, I don't think I've ever seen anybody physically outmuscle Adama when it comes to anything. And Harry did that on a couple of occasions where Traore was actually on the ground afterwards and, you know, play continued. He was winning headers. He was able to like jump, push, do everything. And that was very impressive because we have been harsh on Harry at times, but this was one of those games where he was a commanding leader from start to finish. So my pick would be Harry Maguire. Eric Bai was excellent as well. But I think that if you had Eric Bai paired with Lindelof, uh, we would have a very different story. And so that's why... I think
0: Harry should get it. I think being the season of giving, maybe we can hand out our first Co Cantina collars.
1: I like that idea. I think you know there's a, there's always a first for everything and so why not end uh, 2020 on a nice positive note.
0: <laughs> so there we go, Eric Bai and Harry Maguire collect the Cantona collar. Noisy neighbor I don't think there's too much of a debate There's plenty to praise Wolves for. Their level of organization, you have to give a lot of credit to Nuno Espirito Santo. But yeah, Sais, I think, was excellent.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Sais was fantastic on both ends of the field. He intercepted quite a few deliveries. And then not to mention his uh, set-piece attacking threat. I think he hit the crossbar with one of his headers and the second one he he made uh, De Gea pull out a really nice save. Shout out De Gea. Some big saves. Yeah, some very big saves. And then also Saiz with a header when he was offside with another big save from De Gea. So Mm -hmm. I think Saiz had like all of their best attacking moves. Um, And so for him, both on both sides of the field, he deserves it and off the back of a very strong performance against Tottenham as well, where he scored quite quite late in that game as well from a set piece.
0: I guess this is a good time to move on to the Aston Villa fixture. This is a massive fixture now. The narrative of these fixtures bunched up, and if you're able to get 7 out of 9 points versus 5 or 4 is significant, especially considering there's Liverpool in the league after that especially considering you're trying to build some as much momentum as you can going into Manchester City in the EFL Cup. Can't say enough about how important it is to get the three points. You were able to do the squad rotation. You should be able to put out a pretty strong lineup to start 2021. What are your expectations in that match, Carl? So one thing
1: right off the bat is Aston Villa... We all know their main attacking threat comes from Jack Grealish. A player that came very close to wearing the red shirt had Aston Villa been relegated. That wasn't meant to be, but I'm sure he's going to have a point to prove against United of, of what they could potentially be missing out on. So I think this is where Fred and Scott are going to be extremely important to containing that Aston Villa midfield because they've got the likes of John McGinn, Grealish, Anwar, El Ghazi, Traore, you know, all very attack-minded players. El Ghazi's been on fire. He's been on fire. He scored in his last five games, if I'm not uh, mistaken. Mm-hmm. And and also, I, I cannot see Aston Villa coming to Old Trafford and sitting back. In their current form, they're in. I mean, I could be wrong, but if they do not sit back, I really like United's chances. If they do sit back, I think we're going to be in for a similar games to the Wolves game, where it's going to be basically counterattack after a counterattack from both teams. In that game, you know, I guess this is a good time to kind of discuss what
0: our starting lineup should be. Before we go into that, I just have a quick question for you because I mentioned left-sided stars, the likes of Raheem Sterling, Sadio Mane, Eden Hazard from before. Where do you put Jack Grealish in that category?
1: I would probably put him in the tier below that, to be honest with you. I don't think he's he's up there with, and also, I think he's in a slightly different category to to those guys. I think Jack Grealish has a little bit more defensive responsibility that is asked of him compared to the Eden Hazards or the uh, Sadio Mane's, right? I think they have a little bit more freedom, so that's why I put him in a slightly different category. I think, like, Jack Grealish, to me, brings back some of that old school, probably, I would say, you know, in the early 2000s, where you had that midfielder who could defend and attack. I think uh, you don't see that too often these days, right? And so I'm trying to think of a player that comes to mind of who Jack Grealish kind of models. Nobody's coming to mind right now. Do you see any
0: similarities with people back in the day with his kind of game? How would you classify him? Yeah, I think what you say is fair enough in terms of his defensive responsibility. I guess I was looking at it more from the perspective of just what he's done to lift his own team and how critical he is to Aston Villa's success. And let's face it, they win that fixture against United. They're up there in the table themselves. So how much do you attribute to Jack Grealish for that, right? I think a big part of that is consistency. So you need to see it over several years before you put him in that category. But I think he would be, I guess, the next one that I would look at and say, yeah, this is a guy that he continues this way all season. There's going to be a lot of clubs that are going to be fighting for him. Another player I'll just earmark, because I'm actually a big fan of his game, Uh, especially, you know, since that Aston Villa thrashing of Liverpool, Ali Watkins... I think there's something about him. I think he's a really solid, young, up and coming striker, and United will have to really keep track of his runs. He's always looking for more goals. That was one thing that really stood out to me in that Liverpool fixture where he bagged a bunch of goals, but he was still, you know, he wasn't satisfied. He's was like, if I can get one more, I'm going to get one more. He had two or three assists in Aston Villa's last match, and he should have had two or three goals for himself to go with it he hit the post he hit the crossbar one time uh there was a finish that was blocked another time and so i think he's another one that united will have to be careful of as you mentioned de Gea in net especially after some of the saves he pulled off in this match you're feeling good and hopefully he can start 2021 off the way he finished 2020 here the back four how are you feeling about iron one bisaka
1: yeah, he's gonna play. Uh, I think we, I think we need him in that game. He's gonna, he's gonna do well to contain Al Gazi and a lot of Grealish's runs come from left, go to to the middle of the park. And so, uh, I think Aaron Wan-Bissaka will be important. I think he should play in
0: that game. I think there's an outside shot that, because Grealish isn't that pacey type, it's more the trickery that need to just stay on ball and jockey, there's an outside chance we're going to see Lindelof back on that right side, the way they played against Everton in the AFL Cup. So you think they go three at the back? I think it's possible. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Let's see. I think you you have the odds maker's favorite choice, (laughs) but I think there's a, a sneaky chance that Lindelof gets in on that right side.
1: Okay, all right. Let's see what what happens. Stay tuned uh, for the next episode to see uh, <laughs> to see uh, which way Ole picks his team. Do you think Bayi plays again? Honestly, if Lindelof's not fit, I think Bayi plays again. I think Ole is is risking it if he plays Bayi, given his track record. But you know, when someone's in this good form, it's hard to leave them out of the team. So yeah, I I do think you know
0: Bayi plays again. Obviously, Maguire, that, that's a no-brainer. And then it comes down to Shaw or Tellez on the left. I'd probably lean towards Luke Shaw.
1: Yeah, Shaw Shaw for me as well, because uh, Aston Villa have a very attack-minded right back in Matty Cash, who, who mm-hmm. delivers some great crosses into the box, unlike Aaron Wan-Bissaka. So uh, I think Luke Shaw will get the nod ahead of
0: Tellez. Midfield, I think we've already agreed on Scott and Fred. Yeah. So, not too much of a discussion there. And then are we looking at Rashford on the left side? You know what? Rashford looked extremely heavy-legged.
1: Unless unless Ole has the plan of Rashford playing the first 45, maybe even 60 and then pulling him off because I I cannot see Rashford giving us more than 45
0: solid minutes. But it's a very important game, right? So, and what about Bruno? This guy who just keeps playing match after match after match after match. Yeah, I don't know how that guy does it. Honestly, he's he's cut from a different cloth. To be honest, is it just that competitive fire where he's able to just block it all out?
1: Yeah, I think I think it is. But you know what? I just hope we we all know that if Bruno goes down, so do any hopes of a title challenge. Let's let's be honest here. So, so I'm curious. What what is your front
0: four? I would probably go. With Marshall on the left, Bruno centrally, I chance it. I think this is too big a fixture and you deal with it. And then you've got Greenwood on the right for me. I thought he was encouraging enough to go with that option. So I would lean towards that. And then up front, I'm actually going to take another risk and go with Cavani again. Because as you said, that punishment is probably coming. And so if this is the last chance you actually have to play him for a little while, then I would take it.
1: Hmm, interesting. I'm sure like if you're thinking it, Ole is thinking about it as well. For me, I'm going to go obviously Bruno in the center. No doubt about that. The striking option I think will be Martial. I think Greenwood is going to play on one wing. And I think Juan Mata is going to play on the other. Interesting. So who's playing on the left side and who's playing on the right side in that? Uh, Mata, right, Greenwood, left. That's very Interesting. Just based off the rotations that Ole has been making the last week and a half, like I, I cannot see him going because like he's got to freshen things up, right? And the reason why I'm fairly confident that Greenwood's going to play is the more and more I've thought about it, him pulling off Greenwood this early in the game today means that there's, he was saving his legs a bit and there's a good chance he will play against Aston Villa. Especially considering, to your point, Greenwood had a decent game and Rashford was the one on a yellow. Yeah. Yeah. So he's probably he probably knew okay Rashford's not playing the next game. Let me let me run him into the ground and then we'll get some fresh legs on.
0: Now the debate that will be there to be had with both our selections whether it's Greenwood on that right side or Mata on that right side is the protection, right? And we've seen very recently how with the strong threat on the left side Solskjaer look to have a bit more support in Daniel James. Do you think there's any chance he plays? Yeah, I'd give it a
1: small chance that he plays, actually. Thinking about it now, I mean, Aston Villa, their defense has improved massively from last season to this season. But let's not uh, make them look like they're, you know, got like a defensive wall. There's definitely some holes in there that can be exploited. And so... I, that's personally why I think Mata will will get the nod ahead of James because Mata can pick those holes a little better than James can. And and one thing that Ole likes to do is, especially when there's a lot of defensive work that needs to be done down our right-hand side, that's when he plays James because he knows he's not going to get that from a Mason Greenwood. Depending on Jack Grealish, you could see James there, but I don't think so.
0: Carl, I don't think there's much more to be said about United except... On our fandom's part, there's not a better way to finish off 2020. We see United win. We see India level the series with Australia 1-1. And we've got two hopefully great test matches to look forward to. And I'm going to continue to root for Captain Rahane. And I think there's going to be a very interesting discussion to be had if he's able to pull off this series victory somehow (laughs) on who should really be captaining this side. But that's going to do it. For this episode, our final episode of 2020, a reminder that we are on Twitter and Instagram at Red Couch Manx. You can catch up on everything the players are up to, all our hot takes. Everything is going to be on there on both social media channels. Please give us your opinions on whatever you would like for us to do more of, whatever you would like for us to do less of. And beyond that, we would just like to take a second on behalf of Carl, myself, to say thank you for the support that you have given us to start this season, uh, for listening to the episodes. We are now 21 episodes in. Time has absolutely flown by as we head to 2021. So on behalf of Carl and myself, thank you so much for listening to Red Couch Max, and we wish you all the best for 2021.